0: Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. This week, as I was preparing for this message, I had writer's block. It's called Every Pastor's Nightmare. And Saturday comes, and you still have it. And it scares you. Um, But I think I had writer's block because in the book of Galatians, Paul is kind of hammering home the same sort of thing. He, he's talking a lot about grace and he's talking about living a, a grace-filled life as opposed to living under rules and, and law and religion. And he just, in various different ways and forms, he kind of just keeps hammering that home to us. And I was starting to worry that maybe it was possible that we've been hearing the same message so much that we don't hear it at all. Because that happens, right, sometimes. Some of us, we need to hear the same thing over and over and over again before we get it. But sometimes we hear it so many times that we tune it out and we... Didn't get it at all. And I think in the back of my mind, I was worried about that um, coming into this message today. And the thing that I really want us to walk away from with today, what I want you to take with you today, is a better understanding of what it means to have freedom in Christ. Because Paul's message of grace is really about freedom. And I wonder if we as Christians don't often have a very good handle on what it means to live free. So I did write a message and. I'm really hoping that by the end of today, we'll have a better understanding of what that is. So let's start by reading through this entire passage. We're in Galatians 5, and we're reading through verses 1 to 15. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to read along, you can. The, The passages will also be on the screen as well. Oh, 1 to 14 we're reading today, sorry. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, try to say that 10 times fast, has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you're just joining us today and this is your first time joining us and, and we're like almost to the end of this book, this letter, and you've come in and now I'm reading a passage about circumcision and other things that are in this passage that seem very odd to you. Let, let me just help you a little bit in understanding what Paul's talking about because this, this up until this point, we've really been talking about how Paul was a church planter. He had gone to Galatia, he had planted this church, and, and after he left this church, some other people kind of came in and were were trying to add the law on top of the grace that he had taught about. So he had he had taught about grace and he had taught about freedom in Christ and, and then these the, these people who were used to also following these rules and laws, they sort of came in behind and they were trying to add that on top as well. And so when we're talking about circumcision, we're talking about one of those laws. But really, he's using that as an example to say to them, you know, if if you're going to go and you're going to, you know, go the letter of the law, go the way of the law, then, then, then the freedom of Christ is kind of lost to you. That grace that that we taught about, the grace that I talked about is lost to you. So it's kind of what he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to say here. And if you've been here through the last few weeks, that would probably made a way more sense to you than it did to someone who's just walking in today. But the text begins with this clear statement of Christ's will for our lives. Now, I, I think sometimes we sort of get bogged down in this dilemma of, you know, what is God's will for my life? And, and often we worry about decisions that, I mean, really probably they're not a great issue to God. So things like, well, where are we going to go to school and what job are we going to take and and where are we going to live and all those kinds of things, they're important. but, But we need to sort of orient our lives around the clear statements of Scripture regarding God's will for us. And this is one of them. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Christ's will for you is that you would enjoy freedom. <clears throat> where you go to school, what job you do, where you live, etc. Like, those things are important. No question, they are important. But they're not nearly as crucial as whether you stand fast in freedom. And it's a clear command. You stand fast and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. There is... This this is God's will for you. Your freedom. Uncompromising, unrelenting freedom. For this Christ died. For this he rose. For this he sent his spirit. And there is nothing he wills with more intensity than this. Your freedom. So what does freedom mean to you? You know we we can throw this term around pretty lightly often. So maybe this weekend you didn't have to work. So you feel like you have this great freedom this weekend to just do whatever you want, and your, your, your schedule is free, or, or maybe you have no responsibilities today, and it's like, woo, I'm free, I, I, can, I can just do whatever I want, this is so awesome. Or, or maybe you had no homework or no assignments this weekend, and you felt this great sense of freedom because you, you had no responsibilities there. You know, freedom can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. How many of you in here remember the movie Braveheart? Remember the movie Braveheart? And so, I mean, really, there's a lot of freedom fighting sort of movies. And and you know, we have this main character, William Wallace, and he's a pretty lively character, and you know, they're they're fighting for freedom. And even at the end of the movie, where he's basically being torn apart, and they're they're just wanting him to, you know, pledge his allegiance. He will not. And he's just like some of his final words are like. Freedom! You know, it's important. People fight for freedom. They fight from oppression, for freedom. But do you think the world would use the word freedom to describe Christianity? You know, do you think they would use the word free to describe Christians? I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, they think they have to go to church and, and they have to give away their money and they have to read their Bibles and, and they can't drink and they can't have sex before marriage and they have all this religion and all of these rules and I don't think free would be a word that the world would use to describe us. And here's my concern in that. I worry that they think that way because that's the way we act. That's, that's what we're demonstrating to the world. That being a follower of Jesus isn't actually about freedom. It is about checking off all those rules. It is about checking off that list. I worry that that's what we demonstrate to the world. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But I worry that we don't even know what it means to live free. What does it look like to live free in Christ? When my kids were little, particularly Taylor and Wesley, and so Taylor's 20 and Wesley's 18, so little was a while ago, but when they were little, we used to build towers with those wooden blocks, you know, the wooden blocks that are like all colored red and blue and yellow and green. And so, so we, we would spend a lot of time playing building blocks. Taylor liked to build the towers. Wesley liked to knock the towers down. So, it turned into a bit of a game to see how high the tower could get built before Wesley was unleashed and he knocked the tower down. And surprisingly, Taylor actually enjoyed this game. She enjoyed building the towers and she enjoyed like trying to get them built up before Wesley got to it and you know, Peter and I would work on kind of keeping Wesley back to give her enough time to build her tower. And it would take up hours and hours and hours, you know, they just they just love to build towers and knock them down. And um, I think Peter probably liked building towers too. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting no response from the back there this morning, so I'm just waiting for it. But it was fun. It was fun. But at the end, we had a big mess because we had every block out and all these towers we tried to build so there was a mess that needed to be cleaned up at the end. And so I would, you know, tell the kids before we, they were going to bed, we, you know, it's time to clean up the blocks. Would you guys, you know, clean up these blocks for me before we go to bed? And, and almost every single time someone would say, would you help us please? Now, would you help us pick up the blocks? So now, in that moment, there are two possibilities. There are two possible answers that I can give my kids. I can say, no, you need to pick them up, and you need to get it done in the next two minutes, or you'll be in trouble. Right? I can say that. I'm the mom. Like, I can tell them what they need to do, right? Moms are not in their heads. And they're going to pout and they're going to fuss, and but eventually, the job's going to get done. Or, I can say, sure I will. You know, let's see how fast we can get this done together. So they hurry, and, and they work much faster, and it's way more effective with my help. And, and we even, you know, make, it's fun sometimes, right? We can make it a fun little activity to see who can get all the blocks in the fastest. And My children's experience is very different in those two cases. In the first case, they, they, they don't really feel free. You know, they, they go about their work as though they're almost like my employees or my slaves, right? They, they, they're not happy about it. but they, they know they have to get it done because there would be consequences, so they get the task done. But they're not acting in freedom because the task has a weight and it irritates and it discourages them. But in the second case, there's freedom. They, they do better work with no irritation. They have the freedom of joy and it's no longer a burden because we're making it fun. You know, they still know that mom punishes for disobedience, but they're quite happy to pick up the blocks now. So what's the difference? The difference is, I was on the floor helping them. Even making it enjoyable. The same work to do, but in one case it's under duty or fear, and in the other case, it's in love and freedom. There's a clue here for us on how we can live in freedom and obey Galatians 5.1. The key to freedom is whether we have to do the work ourselves to escape punishment, or whether our Father comes down to be with us and helps us. Today I want to give you kind of three essentials of Christian freedom. I want us to have a better understanding of what it means to live free, to have freedom in Christ. So what I want us to do is I want us to look at verses 5 and 6 and then I want us to look at verses 13 and 14. And I want us to see what Christian freedom is all about. So essential number one to Christian freedom we live by faith. We live by faith. That's what we see in verse 5. With By faith we eagerly wait through the Spirit, the righteousness for which we hope. Now, this isn't a new thing in Galatians, the idea of faith, that we live by faith. We see it all over Galatians, right? Paul always is talking about faith. And, and he's, what he's doing here is he's reminding us. He's saying, okay, we're taking this gospel theology that we've been talking about and we're applying it to gospel living. We are not. We are not working for God. The Christian life is not an employee-employer relationship with God. That's not Christianity. That's how we often think about Christianity. I mean, we may not put it in those terms, we may not put it that way, but oftentimes we see ourselves as employees of God. And God has enlisted us for his services. We do, the, the, we do these things, we do these Christian activities, and, and when we do these things, we're, we think we're earning favor before God. But if we're not working for God, then what are we doing? Like, what is Christianity about? We're we're not working for God. We're trusting in God. We are trusting in God. We're not working for God because the truth is God is working for us. God is working for us. Now, again, it's not like an employee-employer relationship, and now we're the employer and God's the employee. That's not it. No, God's pleasure in us is not based on our performance for Him. Instead, God's pleasure in us is based on whose performance? Christ's performance. It's Christ's performance for us. Everything that we do that we would label working for God, so praying or studying the Word or working in the church or doing any of these things, even those things are God working in us for us. In us for us. There is nothing we can do for God that he is not doing for us or in us. So a life of freedom is a life of faith. All revolves around faith in Christ, trust in Christ, trust in the work that he is doing in us. And that is the first essential to Christian freedom. Second, Second essential of Christian freedom. I feel like it's like a playlist on Apple, like Apple Essentials, if any of you like ever go, anyway. I feel like it's a playlist and I'm what are doing for you here. Second, So we live by faith and we live through the spirit. We live through the spirit. Verse five says, "By faith we eagerly await through the spirit. Christian freedom happens through the spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is all over the book of Galatians. And particularly here in Galatians 5, and we're going to see in Galatians 6, we will see it even more in the second half of Galatians 5. It's going to, be, it's going to become even more obvious to, it, to us. But Galatians 5 and 6 are just, they're a portrait of the Spirit-filled life and the role of the Holy Spirit, the transformation the Holy Spirit brings in our lives. So Christian freedom is dependent on living through the Spirit. So what does the Spirit do in us? Well, first of all, the Spirit enables us to experience the presence of Christ. We, we've already seen this in Galatians 2.20 and 3.5. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So how does Christ live in you? How does Christ live through you? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who dwells in us and enables us to experience the presence of Christ in us. The Spirit is the one who unites our lives with Christ. Because of the Spirit, Christ is in us. And this is huge for Christian freedom. Because we're not free from Christ. Okay, we're not free from Christ. Instead, we are free to Christ. When we talk about grace, many people think that, it, oh, well, does that mean that I can do whatever I want and live however I want and make my own decisions and live according to whatever lifestyle I choose and do whatever I want to? But what we have to realize when we say that, whenever we say, well, because I'm free, I, I can live however I want, what we're actually saying is, We're living as slaves to ourselves, to our desires, what we want. But you have been delivered from that. You've been delivered from that. You're free from yourself and free from your sin. And you're free to who? To Christ. Now you're free to live however Christ wants You weren't before. But by the grace of God in your life, through faith in Christ, now we're free to live the way we were created to live. We're free to live for what we were made for. We're free to live in Christ. You're free to experience the beauty and the glory and the joy of the presence of Christ in your life. That's what you're free to Not free from Christ to yourselves to do whatever you want. You're free from yourselves to Christ to do whatever he wants. And the beauty of it is now now he brings transformation into your life. He transforms your wants and begins to transform your desires so that what you want is what Christ wants. And not what the world wants. Not what the self, not what self, not what sinful nature wants, but what Christ wants. You know, as a person who has been who has not been a Christian more of her life than she has been a Christian, I can I can this resonates with me. Because I the, the whole idea of struggling to know like you know what job you should take or or what house you should live in or what 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 you want who you want to be when you grow up like how many adults in here still don't know what they want to be when they grow up right like there's lots of us we don't know what we want to be when we grow up and there's a lot of pressure for us to figure that out and it's always a struggle and it's a struggle to to see yourself as someone or something and I think we all just we always just want to be loved and known and and we want to contribute to the world we want to be the person that we think we're supposed to be we don't always know who that person is but but for me like when when I when I let Jesus be the Lord of my life it was like all of that stress and pressure was gone because now my only responsibility was to chase after Jesus to know him more because the more I knew him the more he revealed to me who I was how he saw me what his plans are for me and there's great freedom in that it almost sounds crazy to say there's freedom in taking directions from somebody But who better to take directions from than the one who created you, the one who knows you, the one who created you for purpose? Which is why in 1 John 5, 3, the Bible says his commands are not burdensome. You know, before when we were slaves to the law, when we were trying to check off the list and the rules, the, the law was a burden that we were trying to carry. But, but now the words of, of Christ are a delight. Because he's living in us through his spirit. And by faith through the spirit, we are walking in his commands. We are enjoying His commands, and the New Testament is alive to us. We love His words because Christ is in us, and Christ loves His words. And He is transforming who we are. And this is what happens by faith through the Spirit. As a result, we are not free to sin. We are free from sin. We're not free to indulge in sin, as Paul talks about later in verse 13. We're not free to sin, we're free from sin. We don't say, okay, well, now we're saved, and, and now I can sin and do whatever I want, and I'm just going to go to heaven. That, it doesn't make any sense, because it misses the whole point of the gospel. You're not free to sin, you're free from sin. To walk in freedom, walk in freedom by faith through the Spirit. And the last component, the last essential of Christian freedom is we live with love. In verse 6 In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is where it gets really interesting and a little bit weird. Paul has spent probably five plus chapters telling us that we're free and we're no longer slaves. Then he gets to verse 13. In the second half of the verse he says, do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature, rather, serve one another in love. The word for serve there, literally, the the New Testament word, it's, it's a word for slave. And that's weird. Because you're free, Paul says. You're not a slave anymore. But now you're free to be slaves? Okay. Like, let's just close up this letter, Paul, because you are not making any sense here. Do not understand what you're saying. We're free to be slaves. But here's what Paul is trying to to tell us. We're free from slavery to the law. We're free from slavery to the rules and to to religion. That's what he said before. (coughs) And we have to be careful here, because it doesn't mean that the law is bad. And it doesn't mean that we leave all the rules behind or especially New Testament law, like the law of Christ. In fact, we'll see in Galatians 6 2, when we carry each other's burdens, when we love one another, we fulfill the law, it says. The law is apparently good. Words of Christ are good. Commands of Christ, Jesus' teaching, it's good. However, the picture here is where slavery to the law as a burden, you know, that we're, we're trying to carry out in order to earn God's favor. We're free from slavery of the law. We're free from that. We're free from trying to earn God's favor. But we are free to the slavery of love. We are free to be slaves to one another in love. Don't miss the difference. Slavery to the law, involuntary, burden walking under it, trying to earn favor before God. Or Slavery to love. Slavery to love is joyfully living for the sake of other people. Out of love for them. The slavery of love. When you picture the slavery of love, <clears throat> just picture Christ. Picture Mark ten forty-five. The Son of Man did not come to be to be served, but to serve. He came to serve. Why? Because he was obligated to. Because he had to, because he was burdened to, no, because he desired to. He desired to. He came to serve and and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you think of the slavery of love, think of the passion. The death of Christ, the cross. Think of the cross when you think of the slavery of love. And here's the reality. When the Christ who came not to be served but to serve and to sacrifice his love for us, his life for us, when that Christ is living in you, that radically changes your relationships with other people. Doesn't it? Shouldn't it? How how can you live for yourself when Christ is in you? It's it's not possible. You, You live for other people. You live to serve. You're a slave to other people. You sacrifice yourself to other people. That's the picture. It's the New Testament community. It's the New Testament church. We are free to the slavery of love. So at the beginning, I said that I was worried, I've been worried about this letter to the Galatians. <laughs> that, you know, maybe we've been hammering this home so much, this idea of grace, that, that maybe we might miss it all together. But why do you think Paul wrote a letter to the Galatian church where he just repeatedly, over and over and over and over again, tried to remind them of the same thing? Because Paul's life was drastically changed by an encounter with Jesus. He experienced freedom, he experienced transformation. He experienced the spirit coming into his life and working to change him from the inside out. And because he experienced that, because Jesus had transformed his life, he wanted to do everything possible to make sure that that Galatian church didn't miss it. He didn't want them to fall back into the law, into the rules. He wanted them to live in freedom. He wanted them to live a grace-filled life where they could experience freedom in Christ. And I want the same thing for you. I think this, trying to write this message was heavy on my heart because I want the same thing for you. I want you to experience freedom. And there could be a variety of reasons in your life why you aren't, haven't been able to experience that. A variety of reasons. But I want to say to you today, That whatever whatever chains you have, whatever barriers you have, whatever, whatever rules and laws and whatever that is that you are stuck in, that today, in this moment, right now, Jesus wants to walk into your life and break those. He wants to break them. And he wants to walk with you to work through them. He wants you to experience the fullness of his grace and the fullness of his freedom. He wants you to live free. And he wants other people to see you able to live free. Free to be who he's created you to be. Free for you to love yourself the way he loves you. Because he created you for a purpose, and a time, and a reason. And he wants you to have freedom to fulfill that. And there is so much joy in freedom. We should be the happiest people on the planet. And we should be the people who are overflowing with grace and peace and hope and joy and mercy because of everything that Christ has done and everything that he offers us for free. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. But as we close this morning, as we we close in worship this morning, I just encourage you to just open up your hearts to the Lord today. Where whatever is in there whatever is going on in your life wherever you are in your journey with him he wants to walk with you today in this moment, in this time for healing for encouragement for broken chains for broken barriers whatever it is wherever you find yourself today he wants to meet you there and all you have to do is be open to it. so today if you are here And you have never started a journey with Jesus, and you thought that Christians were not free, and that it was all about rules and regulations and the things that you couldn't do. I hope today that you see that following Jesus is about freedom, it's about hope, it's about joy, it's about grace, and that you can receive that freedom today by just opening your life to Jesus, accepting his freedom. And committing your life to him. So let's worship together. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you for the way that you challenge us. But Lord, more than anything, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for mercy. And Lord, we thank you for the freedom that you want us to have. Lord, I pray for every person in this room today. God, I pray that they would be able to take one step closer to seeing themselves the way you see them. Lord, that they would have just another glimpse of what you've created them for. They they would have a little inclination from you today, God, of the freedom, the fullness of the freedom that you want them to experience in a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that that freedom would overflow from this place. God, I pray that this church would be a church with broken chains and broken barriers where lives can be put back together in the freedom that you offer us. So, Spirit, we pray that you would come in this time, that you would speak to our hearts. And that even in this moment today, God, that we would experience transformation. We pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.